Welcome to Philanthropy Today. Our goal is to inspire giving by educating listeners on ways to give and how to connect with charitable causes. My name is Dave Lewis. I'm your host of Philanthropy Today. Thank you for joining the show. We continue our series on Philanthropy Today with individuals that have been founders of the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. And we have yet another veneer in the studio today. We have Marty Veneer joining us today, Vern. And, uh, you know, she has been so instrumental in so many wonderful things in our community. Yes, indeed. And uh, we appreciate Marty and uh, her late husband, Bob, when uh, when the Community Foundation was started, when they joined us and accepted the Kansas Health Foundation Challenge as founders. Uh, you know, that again was a time when the Community Foundation movement in Kansas was really developing and the Health Foundation provided those challenge grants. And uh, and Marty and Bob stepped up as one of those founders to make it happen. And, uh, and we had that operating fund uh, started here for the Community Foundation and, and kind of the rest is history as we talk about. But uh, Marty, thank you uh, a lot for stepping up at that point in time, and we appreciate your involvement and, and everything you've done since. So it's good to have you here today. Well, thank you for inviting me to come be a part of your podcast series. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of things we want to visit with you about, and let's talk a bit about uh, the Community Foundation and, you know, and some of the core values. You know, philanthropy is something that is embedded in the veneer name, the veneer legacy, the veneer family. And, you know, one of the things that uh, that I know that is important for you and your sister, and, and I suppose to an extent your brother, um, is giving back to your community. Yes. Yes, it is. We were very fortunate. The family was very fortunate to be able to achieve what we've been able to achieve um, generally, but in this case, specifically financially. And I know Mary expressed this. We were always taught that because we were so fortunate to have resources and pretty vast resources and resources that most people don't have, that it is an obligation and, in fact, a joyful obligation to be able to help other people. Mm. So that has been kind of a family mantra, uh, began with our grandparents, flowed through our parents, and now Mary, John, and I are carrying on. Mm -hmm. I, um, I'm going to step back a little bit because I was at the uh, Bison Beef and Bourbon event, and you know there was an auction there that included an opportunity for someone to, to join you in, in your suite. And watching you as that auction was progressing <laughs> was something that is treasurable because you just seemed like you were so excited about what this was doing for the Discovery Center. Oh, I, I was excited. Now, not to mention, I probably was just a tad bit overserved. <laughs> but, but beyond that, yes, it was, it was very exciting um, and very exciting that there were some folks that were willing to step up mm -hmm. and make that kind of a gift in exchange for tickets to a football game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a neat, just a neat little side story I thought I'd throw out there. So you had made reference to Bob and Bob being, you know, your late husband had been very involved in the 
a lot of activities with mm-hmm. the, the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Can you reflect a little bit on some of the perspectives that he brought to the GMCF? Oh, wow. Well, so for the short story for people who didn't know Bob, uh, he came to K-State with uh, President Weefald, and Bob grew up in Chicago, south side of Chicago kid, mm-hmm. which everybody knows is maybe not the best part of town. And so scrapped his way up, scrapped his way through college, through graduate school, um, into what they called student personnel work, which meant basically now student services. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that as for a kid who grew up on the south side of Chicago and wanted to play football and discovered that he liked art and then to move into student personnel work, the whole objective being to help students, there clearly was for him this natural inclination. And that's a good part of what his job was here at K-State. But I set that up to say... He also, when he came to Manhattan, instantly had an affinity for the community and for the area, which would be very unexpected being a kid from inner city Chicago. Right. So when the concept of the community foundation percolated up and folks started talking about the idea and trying to gather um, prominent leaders in the city of Manhattan to begin this process, he was all in because he understood what it was going to do for the community. Naturally, he was concerned about Kansas State, and Kansas State is a big part of the community, but there are other parts of the community that Kansas State doesn't reach and can't reach. And so the fact that there was a community foundation forming that could do that He was all in on that. He remembered his days as a kid from the bad part of town. And he knew that this was going to be an important effort and an important attribute for the community of Manhattan. Yeah, that's, uh, I can remember those. Those are my early days of being in Manhattan. And uh, Bob was very involved in the chamber effort and uh, economic development efforts. And anything that was good for Manhattan was good for K-State. And uh, and he was certainly a driving force between that town-gown relationship mm-hmm. that uh, that took place at that point in time. And and yes, when the Community Foundation idea came about, I mean, he was all in. And, and, uh, and so uh, we certainly appreciate him and our history for that. Mm-hmm. And the two of you, obviously, both on that. So it's excellent. So so let's trace back over the last 25 years. You know, Bob, obviously, you know, when you have a Bob Kraus, you have a Marty Benier. You tag teamed. Every, yes, yeah, we did a, tag team. You <laughs> tag teamed on a lot of things. So we look back now, you know, over the last 25 years, things about uh, the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation and our history here. What are some of the things that come to mind for you as being pivotal into how the organization has grown to what it is today? Several things. One, the group of people that you brought together to create the foundation. And I will say, once again, it's all the usual suspects. It was all the prominent leadership in Manhattan. And we're talking business leaders and political leaders and and all of that. 
who came together and understood the value of the community foundation. Another pivotal aspect for me, and Mary addressed this a little bit, is the whole idea of the affiliates program. And I think that's incredibly valuable because Manhattan is a pretty decent sized community. And so you can see where a community foundation could come together and be very successful. But we have a lot of towns surrounding Manhattan that don't have the resources that Manhattan has. I mean, let's face it, you look at economic development and economic activity, and Manhattan is a regional hub. So you've got, you know, you've got Westmoreland and Marysville and Wabunsee and Alma and all of these towns in the area that aren't going to be able to put together a foundation of their own. So they can come here and affiliate. It gives them not only economy of scale, because foundations are hard to run, but it also gives them additional resources that they can use to grow philanthropy in their communities and be able to help their communities. Right. Well, and that's, you're very true. And uh, having come from a very small community myself, that's uh, it's kind of embedded in my heart to help them at least have the value of what we have in Manhattan in their communities, even though they may be smaller, because um, everybody likes to support the community that they grew up in. And, and the Greater Salina Community Foundation obviously started affiliates kind of from the northwest part of the country. Mm-hmm. And, you, and I know you have a history with Salina. And so the idea that, you know, Manhattan can maybe look at the northeast part of the state. Mm-hmm. I mean, we at least cover the, the northern part of Kansas in this process and, uh, and excited to do so for those communities. Right. And I and it provides them it's sort of a force multiplier, right. really. Right. Um they can they can help their communities but have the professional management that you all have here. Right. So that they're not spending time trying to understand how to run a foundation exactly. and go through the expense of all of that. I I know it's an additional expense for the Manhattan Community Foundation, but incrementally it's a mm. small addition as opposed to these communities trying to set up their own foundation right. and run it. So. Yep. Well, and anybody that's spent much time in Manhattan, I mean, we uh, uh, obviously there are a lot of individuals that have landed here that are from those communities. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of twofold support them that way. And right. and it works out well for us. And we're, we're happy and right. excited to do so for the same reason of what you just said. So, And I think another uh, another significant move of this foundation, I think, is the young trustees. Because one of the things that I've seen, um, whether it's the Community Foundation, whether it's the K-State Foundation, uh, whether it's Salina, whether it's any other a church, mm-hmm. anything else, I think we have to teach philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Um, most people want to do good things, but when all of the news and the noise is about very large gifts, right? I think a lot of people feel intimidated and think that they can't make a difference right. because maybe they can only do a hundred dollars or maybe a thousand dollars. Right. So they think they don't count because you've got people like my family who can do lots of figures. Right. But What those folks don't understand is that that's really the bedrock, and we can run down that rabbit trail a little later if you want to. But I think that, but I think having the um, young trustees to bring them in to understand the process of philanthropy, 
and to begin to teach philanthropy is really important. I think yep. also we could include the youth impacting community. Um, community right. the yic right. uh, mm-hmm. for for doing the same thing and embedding that spirit of philanthropy mm-hmm. and, and doing a lot of good things in the community as well yes absolutely there's so many things you know that we could talk about you know one of the things that i i, I want to visit with you about was you know how you and your sister and and a number of others uh came to the community's aid uh, here a few years ago during the pandemic mm-hmm. and mhk together and Vern, you know that was uh, a herculean effort that just, you know, it was very organic. It just started, you know, we, mm-hmm. with some discussions. And and then, you know, we found uh, a lot of people that were generous to to really be able to help. What did that mean to you and your sister? Well, we came together to help. I, it's I, that simple. Uh, it's very easy to understand that something like the pandemic disrupts everything. And normal ways of doing things aren't going to be effective for whatever reason. And I guess in our case, I'll say it was easy, which sounds like really trite and obnoxious, but it's easy because what the community needed at that point was financial resources Mm -hmm. to move ahead. Well, that was easy to do. And it made a lot of sense, and we understood the value. So it was really kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. For the uh, for listeners, the MHK Together program was a, um, you know, the way we set it up is we knew the businesses were closing and new employees were were going to be without work, businesses were going to be without income. So we thought, okay, let's generate. Uh, how do we generate a purchase? So we provided a gift certificate opportunity for individuals to to essentially uh, buy a gift certificate for a meal for food to be used later on. So that at least kept the income going for the business. We reached out to individuals that happened to be seven individuals to match on the other side that uh, for those individuals that needed support, you know, a lot of them were, uh, you know, paycheck by check, paycheck individuals so that we could support them with gift cards for purchase of groceries or gas or items like that. And so we took care of the business. We took care of the business employees. Uh, We took care of the individuals purchasing the certificates uh, with the gift certificate that they got. And the philanthropists like uh, uh, Marty and the others were able to provide a great opportunity to to generate this engine that uh, created over half a million dollars of uh, of economic development, and if you want to say it multiplied itself by seven times, I mean that was quite an engine that, that really just all kind of blossomed in a week. And so, um, yes, thank you for being part of that blossom. Mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> well, it was. Uh, I mean, it made perfect sense. It made perfect sense. You know, it's been said that one of the greatest joys is being able to give back and give to the community. That's got to feel good when you um, when you hear some of these stories and and know that you've impacted lives. Mm-hmm. It yeah, it does. And as not to depart from our topic, but as you mentioned earlier about the Discovery Center event, um, yeah, Bob and I were deeply involved, and I'm still involved with the Discovery Center, and just the idea that I could do something really simple for me, but it it creates this huge effect for another entity. Yeah, that's the fun part. 
I bet you have a spreadsheet on all the different nonprofit organizations or <laughs> community foundations, philanthropic organizations that, that you have been uh, involved in. Actually, are, yeah, I do. <laughs> Seriously, I do. Yes. Vern and I are not surprised. Um, but but what are some of the things that, that you would consider are unique about the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation as opposed to maybe some of the other organizations that you work with? Well, the footprint is the first obvious answer. The footprint, the fact that it covers that this foundation covers and responds to so many other groups in the community, so many other houses, so many other funds. I mean, in fact, the community foundation houses kind of a fund of mine, right. um, Fairchild Terrace Scholarship Foundation. And we tried to run that on our own for a number of years and it just got too dang hard. Mm -hmm. And so we turned that donor advised fund over to the community foundation, which has allowed us to focus on the fundraising aspect, reaching out to members to generate funds. Um, we provide scholarships uh, for members of my sorority, uh, and not only academic scholarships, but also need-based scholarships locally. And it has relieved us of mm -hmm. spending a lot of time and mental effort and uh, lack of expertise in running a separate foundation. Vern and his staff can provide the professional expertise. We just go out and get the money and then we can sit down and award the scholarships mm -hmm. and it's it's terrific. So that footprint, being ever being able to cover so many other groups, being able to cover so many other communities, is is terrific. And yeah, I'm just I'm all in on community foundations mm -hmm. because that is such an incredible value to all of these smaller organizations. And once again, it's a force multiplier. Right. What are some things that you would advise? other individuals or groups that are looking to establish, you know, something similar with the community foundation, whether it be a, a donor advised fund or just getting involved, what kind of advice would you offer? Hmm. Well, if a group is looking to engage in philanthropic activity and they want to have a fund for a specific purpose, First, I would have them come in and, and do some research and see if there's already a mm -hmm. fund that exists that right. would serve their purpose right. that they could work with. Mm -hmm. um, if not, then the discussion becomes, what does it take right. to become a fund here within the community foundation? Those are generally pretty easy to set up, right. I, I think probably the biggest hurdle for the group would be whatever you need for the minimum amount of funding to get started. You know, what's the minimum amount of money that's got to go into the account mm -hmm. before you can start to invest and generate funds to be able to give out. Mm -hmm. That would probably be the next hurdle. Um, 
if it, if it's just someone who wants to help the community, then once again, the first conversation is what are the funds housed here that may be attractive to the donor? And then, frankly, not worry about whether they have $1,000 or a $1 million to give. Mm -hmm. That's really not the important part. The important part is the giving and knowing that any amount is going to make a difference. Um, and there are a variety of funds here that cover so many different activities and efforts and projects mm -hmm. and needs that I think most anyone could find um, a passion project that would be part of the Community Foundation. Vern, how fortunate are we at the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation to have a Marty Veneer and a Bob Krause involved from the beginning in continuing that, that legacy? Oh, uh, very, very fortunate. I mean, the idea that individuals could have a vision of what could be where we're at today. Um, you know, Bob was a, was definitely a visionary, and uh, um, Marty and the family, by being from Salina, had, had seen how the Salina Community Foundation got started and brought that value over here as well. And uh, uh, so it's a, it's a tremendous additive to a community to know that people believe and have the ability to step forward and provide inspiration for others. And, and Bob and Marty did that, and we're very grateful. She's speechless. <laughs> That doesn't happen very often. Marty, it's been a delight to have you in on the Philanthropy Today podcast. Thank you for all you and your family continue to do. Well, thank you for asking me to be on the podcast. And uh, we're thrilled to be able to help the community and bring everyone together. And we're thrilled to have you on our team. So God bless you, Marty. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for joining us for Philanthropy Today, an inside look at the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. You can always learn more about the GMCF at our website, mcfks.org. We also invite you to subscribe to Philanthropy Today on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dave Lewis. I'm proud to host Philanthropy Today. It's hosted and produced in the Ad Astra Cast Studios in downtown Manhattan, Kansas.